0: Hour number two, off and rolling here on this Monday. We're so happy to have you along for the ride until one o'clock. Corey Curtis of WKRN News 2 going to be here in the final hour, given that he was on the sidelines in Tampa Bay. Basically, the next two hours, the rest of the way through, we're talking about what we saw from this Titans preseason game. A lot of exciting stuff. uh, If you are somebody who's looking for drastic improvements on defense, some stuff that Maybe not everything translates to the regular season, but I know that you're going to be excited about um, based on a sample size that you saw in at least one player's debut. We're also going to spend some time on A.J. Brown's knee injury, as reported by Adam Schefter this morning. Uh, some good and some bad with that that we'll discuss in a little bit. Your phone calls as well. 615-737-1045 is the number. 615 737 one zero four five. Let's start with Chuck, who is in Clarksville, I do believe, and wants to weigh in this morning. Good morning, Chuck. Hey,
1: Buck. Hey, I just uh, I got kind of an out of the box uh, stock up from the preseason. Sure. I think Jim Schwartz should get a stock up. I know I'm not saying that he's going to take over anything on the defense, but I think his influence and his uh, talking with Shane and and Rabel, you can see some of his fingerprints of his work on the third down. Plays on defense and and just some of the schemes. I think he's been, he had a positive I- influence, and I think
0: overall you can give him kind of a stock up for uh, the defense so far. I listen. I uh, I appreciate the call, Chuck. Uh, Chuck, I'm glad you brought that up. It also sounded like he was you know getting potentially arrested in the background. <laughs> I hope, he, hope
2: he pulled over.
0: That's what I was saying. <laughs> can you? Oh, he's not impeding,
2: ever... impeding emergency vehicles while asking us a question.
0: I've done that. I've done that where I was. I was doing a, a radio like hit. Somebody was interviewing me about the Titans. This was a couple of years ago and got like pulled over while I was on the phone because you're not supposed to be physically on the phone in the car. <laughs> yeah, one so... sec,
2: officer. Yeah, I think AJ Brown will surpass Julio in targets this season, but maybe not.
0: Officer, <laughs> is Ryan Tannehill elite? Your thoughts? <laughs> 615-737. 104.5 So again, we things will change drastically on defense once the regular season starts. Oh my god, I just saw that hit on Justin Fields from from Saturday. Oh, you did? Oh. I saw that live. Oh, oh. oh. yeah, and and that I got by the an way, NFL Network on in my office here at home, and he just got smoked. And that's by, by the number way fifty nine. Before Woo.
2: before you make your point, that that I'm I am a. Uh, Adding an addendum to my loser of the weekend, the loser of the weekend, the loser of the entire preseason are Bears fans because they have to sit there and watch Matt Nagy and the Bears just make believe, pretend that Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback when knowing full well that Andy Dalton's going to struggle. It's going to be excruciating in the first one or two games of the season. And Justin Fields is going to have to come in to add a spark. Just the inevitability of that has to be so painful for Bears fans, and they have to watch it play out not only in the regular season but in the preseason. They got to watch Andy a- Dalton play a full half of football on Saturday before finally getting to see Fields.
0: Not, not. I mean, not any more painful than their the entirety of their existence. They they <laughs> went they went. I mean, they went the better part of a decade with Jay Cutler. Like, and I love him. By the way, do you see he got his Uber Eats? he got his Uber Eats endorsement yanked, snatched because- away. Yeah, because he's come out the I can't remember what exactly the state I don't want to attribute a stance that he didn't take, but it was something to do with COVID or something like that. And now Jake Hutler's like gonna go out and run for school board or something like that. It's just a disaster. That guy was the Bears quarterback for a better part of a decade, just not giving a damn. So like I think I think if they have to suffer going one and two at the start of the season because Andy Dalton's out there putzing around for them at quarterback, just to get to Justin Fields, like I think this is the least of their sufferings. To be honest with you, six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Might not if he gets decapitated, though. My God, did that dude take his head off? <laughs> yeah. What was I talking about before that? I just got completely yeah, has, the, has the game slowed down for
2: you, pal. Is it, oh. is it, is it, is it
0: fast yet? Why does anybody still say that publicly? It was one of those, one of those things. So you've seen a lot of these tweets, and not to make light of COVID, but you've seen, you know, the the tweet, the 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 memes on the internet where in one tweet it says my fall plans, and then in the, the second picture it says the Delta variant make doing something awful that completely derails the situation. As as the tweet that I I saw and I retweeted this at Buck Rising on Twitter. Where you can go for all the polls that we do throughout the course of the day and, and have all other kinds of stupidity that I'm doing on the internet. Uh, it was Justin Fields giving that quote to the athletic. Yeah, I really feel like the game has slowed down for me, or I, you know, I didn't feel like the game was moving that fast, something That's to that effect. Easy. Uh, what's everyone yeah. talking about? And then number fifty-nine on the Bills roster just gets a free release on his face. Woo! My God. He was moving pretty fast there. What can you gain by saying that? nothing
2: yeah this nfl nothing. thing you know it's not as hard as people people told me it would be
0: i mean like and and you know i don't want to completely rip him cuz he's probably not even thinking about it but that's that is something that happens it happens every year there's always an example of some idiot that says that and then just immediately get you know gets picked off like four or five times like a nathan peterman game or you know justin fields getting physically decapitated against the bills over the weekend god 6157371045 um. So to go back to, to Chuck and Clarksville's point, because he's talking about Jim Schwartz, speaking of blitz heavy, Jim Schwartz certainly prides himself on pressure and uh, and having the opponent have a poor third down conversion percentage against his defenses. Things will change dramatically for things will change dramatically as far as what they're doing on the field. Once the season actually begins and once they start implementing various levels of disguise and blitz packages and personnel changes that we that we see them do, right? They're saving their best stuff for when the games matter. They're not going to put all of the things that they're trying to do on tape just yet. And that's a big part of Coach Mac brought this up on the radio show on Friday. Like film between the Titans and the Bucks from their joint practices last week. There's an embargo on it because they're running different kinds of schemes that they're practicing in real time understanding that those two teams are going to play each other in the regular season um so I think I think you know it's curious because I know just talking to people who have covered the team for longer than I have who have been here since you know the start of the Titans in Nashville kind of how weird it is to see Jim Schwartz at least on the field in this kind of reserved role he doesn't because I watch him I, I, I don't watch him every day but most days I'll see him out there just kind of lurking around the practice field and he doesn't you know he's 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 not doing anything verbally he's not doing anything with the players he's just observing everything and that from what I understand and, and what I know of his personality whether as a defensive coordinator in Philly or as the head coach of the Detroit Lions a handful of years ago like this was not a dude who was mild-mannered or, or took a back seat to many people this is the kind of Alpha that you hear discussed um in the same conversation as you have about somebody like Mike Vrabel, right? So that's gotta be that's gotta be a weird spot for him to be in. And we don't know to what extent his involvement in these meetings are in these defensive game planning as a senior defensive assistant. But there's no question that he can't. I mean, again, they can't be worse. So there is going to be some kind of tangible effect, whether it can all be attributed to uh to Jim Schwartz. I think, you know, that may be short sighted to do the analysis that way. But, um, but I would say, I would say more than anything, you know, the improvement, even in the preseason on third down, has been noticeable. The execution has been noticeable. How things change when they get out there and they're not fake, you know, they're facing somebody more competent than Blaine Gabbard up against them. You will see kind of the evolution of that. Speaking of which, a quarterback that they have already seen in the preseason, AJ McCarron tore his ACL uh, over the weekend. Now, this has a big impact on the on one part of the Titans' roster, specifically the quarterback room, where there might have been a quarterback competition developing. But this this uh, this uh, AJ McCarron situation, I think, changes things for the Titans' quarterback room in a big way. I'll explain what I mean coming up next. Your phone calls as well. Do the Titans have a legitimate quarterback competition? Do you believe, based on Matt Barkley, who played really well against Tampa, that Logan Woodside has something to be concerned about? 615-737-1045. If you want to jump in, 615-737-1045. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone.
1: Trask with his best play of the night so far. Feeling heat hit by Molden. What a great rush.
0: Elijah Molden. Mike Keith and Coach Dave McGinnis on the call talking about Elijah Molden, who made a bunch of plays all over the field. We'll get to Elijah Molden later on in the show. I want to talk about quarterbacks first and foremost, and then we'll talk about the two DBs who made their debut in the NFL on Saturday night against Tampa Bay. Um, also, there's been news out of Knoxville, or lack thereof, based on the head coach's quotes that we'll share with you here in just a second. Before, before we get any further, though, I want to take a second, and Lucas, thank you for reminding me about this, because while, while I was out of town all last week covering the uh, the Titans and the Bucks and the joint practices there, I, I saw and I was reading, catching up on some of the news that's been taking place back here in Tennessee and just heartbroken for the people in Dixon County and Humphreys Counties with the devastation that the flooding over the course of the last week, uh, and particularly over the weekend, brought about. Did at least twenty-two people dead. Uh, some of them small children that who were you know washed out of the arms of their parents. Just the 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 deep deep sense of tragedy there. There's a link right now at the Community Foundation's Twitter account that if you want to go donate to, and I'm going to do this. Myself, I invite you guys to do it as well to help us uh, support people in need right now with all of the just physical devastation that we've had in the last couple of years between the tornado, now the flooding that's been, and flooding has been an issue really throughout the course of the last couple of years. Nothing nothing like the 2010 flood, but still things that have ripped families apart and destroyed uh, longtime homes and businesses and things of that nature at CFMT is the Community Foundation's Twitter account if you want to see the pinned tweet that they have, the link that you can donate uh, to to help our neighbors in Humphreys and Dixon counties, Houston and Hickman as well, um, that experienced some flooding. Or you can go to cfmt.org for the Emergency Response Fund activated by the Community Foundation to make sure that we support people in all four counties who, were, uh, who have lost life and livelihood because of these floods, our, uh, our thoughts, of course, go out to them and, and anybody affected by that. I, I can't I can't imagine what you're dealing with right now, but just know that we're we're with you and we're going to we're going to do our best to help support you. So certainly keep those people in mind um, as you go throughout the course of the next couple of weeks as they put the put their lives back together. A lot of tragedy on today's show, Lucas. I don't oh, I'm having a hard time, man. Yeah, it was
2: I, a tough weekend for a lot of people.
0: Oh my God, just just awful. So, and and also Phil losing Phil Valentine, yeah. Over the weekend, I I, I know I don't know whether you got to know him. I was I I came to Cumulus because WTN is one of the stations that's in our building uh, there on Music Circle, and I know a lot of people had a lot of love for Phil Valentine. I know a lot of people didn't like Phil Valentine as well, just based off of the kind of work that he did as a uh, as a talk show commentator on on a lot of things happening. In our world, but I uh, the anytime something like that happens, um, and especially given how many of us have have lost somebody due to COVID, uh, certainly our thoughts to his family and friends and loved one as well. Well, he his
2: passing prompted the same reaction from everybody here at the zone that has worked here for a very long time and crossed paths with him several times. Yeah. Extremely telling when you hear about the type of guy that he was. Everybody has kind of the same take about him being just the first smile you see when you walk in the building, always willing to say something to you. Unlike you, I never really got the pleasure to get to know him, but I think it's telling when everybody is telling the same type of stories about the guy. Uh, You just only hear good things.
0: Yeah, for sure. No matter whether you agree with his work or not. 615-737-1045 as we pivot back to Titans and Bucks conversation. Do the Titans have a legitimate quarterback competition on their hands? Because something I saw over the weekend, uh, unfortunate for A.J. McCarron, that he did tear his ACL, but it does bring up uh, a very, very prescient point about this Titans team and about their quarterback situation specifically. Logan Woodside has been, you know, he's the, the zombie apocalypse survivor. They keep throwing waves and waves of bad quarterbacks at him to try and unseat him, and yet he survives. So look at Logan Woodside... Has been this has been his job now for a couple of years, and being on the practice squad as well, uh, something that has come up uh, come up during the course of his career. When Ryan Tannehill was traded here, and of course he was backing up Marcus Mariota, and then the roles changed, and Logan Woodside was on the practice squad for those years. AJ McCarron tearing his ACL opens up the opportunity for the Atlanta Falcons to be shopping for a quarterback. Now, Arthur Smith is now the head coach, as you well know, in Atlanta, and Arthur Smith is somebody who very, very much values what it is that Logan Woodside is, whether you have been underwhelmed with his body of work in the preseason or not. If the Titans don't keep Logan Woodside, Arthur Smith is immediately going to snatch him up, one would imagine. Now, I don't know that for a fact but I know that he would be one of the options that is preferable to Arthur understanding the offensive concepts that him and his staff, his new staff in Atlanta, are going to want to run. It's not going to look exactly like Tennessee because the personnel is not the same, but it could look very, very much like what it is the Titans want to do based on who is now running the show and Arthur calling the plays as a head coach in Atlanta. So then there's Matt Barkley, who looked more than competent in the second preseason game, the way that they did the quarterback rotations was pretty interesting on Saturday. Something that I haven't seen them do before. But Mike Vrabel spoke at the, uh, spoke about this specifically in his post game media availability. The way they handled the quarterback rotation and how that was their stated goal heading into that game.
3: Well, I think that
0: you know those guys have to go in there at short
3: notice. They also. You know, don't get it to have the luxury to get into the flow of the game, uh, but also just keeping it consistent with maybe who was in there at the game. So there was a certain group of, you know, receivers and linemen, and that you could evaluate them based on who they had in the game that was similar.
0: Mike Vrabel speaking about his. So the way that they did the quarterbacks is they let Logan Woodside start. He played two series. They pulled Logan Woodside out. I think it was in the first quarter. Put Matt Barkley in for two series. Brought Logan Woodside back in. And they kept that going throughout the entirety of the game. Now, both quarterbacks spoke to us on Saturday. And it was interesting to kind of hear their perspective on things. Uh, Specifically, Matt Barkley talking about the quarterback rotation. And and as he tries to make this team, because I think a lot of people were impressed with him. I know my colleague Luke Worsham at A to Z Sports has been stumping for him as the better option over Logan Woodside, and I would push back on that notion. But hear, hear from Matt Barkley on Saturday about this quarterback rotation and about his efforts to try and make this roster.
3: Yeah, we knew going in it was going to be kind of a two-on, two-off uh, rep scheme or drive scheme. Uh, so I at least having that knowledge going in helped kind of Frame uh, getting in a rhythm because um, sometimes that's hard, um, but it was it was kind of easier just because you kind of stayed warm throughout the whole game rather than you know nothing in the first half and then coming in kind of dry from warm up. So, um, you know, we made it work that you know Logan and I did, did a pretty good job. Uh, it was encouraging. Uh, I don't know what scale you want me to use, but uh, I I'm confident in who I am as a thrower and a, and a passer and a quarterback. Uh, so just to be able to show this staff that I can help them win um, and, you know, show Ryan I can, you know, be an extra set of eyes for him as well.
0: Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, that was conveyed tonight. That is Matt Barkley after Saturday's game. Now his his stat line looked pretty good, especially in comparison to the Buccaneers quarterback. And we know, of course, that this is preseason. 12 of 16. 115 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, his longest was a 20-yard completion. Now, the the touchdown in particular. So I want you to hear Mike Keith on the call of his first touchdown. This one to Makai Sargent. Rolling to his right, if I remember correctly. Uh, coverage down the field being enough. They were within the 20-yard line. This was the first. Uh, this was actually Elijah Molden, who you heard some highlights of earlier in the show. Elijah Molden on a fourth and one stop set that offense up to go 43 yards down the field and then fit this ball into Makai Sargent. Uh, It was a really, 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 really well done throw and catch by both players. This was Mike Keith on the call. Barkley on fourth down. Play fake. Barkley rolling, throwing in the flat. It's caught. It's Sargent.
1: Touchdown Titans. Had to wait and make sure he had it. He reached out, the little guy from Key West, stretched with all he had to grab it, and got into the end zone.
0: That was the first touchdown of the game for the Tennessee Titans. Titans radio, the Odyssey, cur- uh, the audio courtesy of Mike Keith and Coach Mack on the call on Saturday night. Yeah, it was a really nice pass, short pass to the right, five yard touchdown to Makai Sergeant, uh, and then and then he hit. Uh, oh, apparently we have breaking news. What, Lucas, is it uh, important enough to derail the quarterback conversation? Well, the Titans
2: have waived Tucker McCann.
0: Oh, okay. That is breaking news indeed. Uh, So Tucker McCann, whose injuries, uh, so Paul Adams, Ross Reynolds, and Tucker McCann, Anthony Rush, the big nose tackle, has been placed on the COVID list. So it is now Sam Ficken's job as the Titans kicker. Uh, Sam Ficken, who we have discussed not a ton, but who was, who was, you know, really, really consistent, had two field goals, hasn't missed a kick in this preseason so far. Just, I mean, he had plenty of leg on the 58 yarder, uh, that as the Titans kind of expanded their lead, their lead later on in that game on Saturday. So now the the kicking competition provided that nothing happens to Sam Ficken, Sam Ficken now becomes this Titans kicker. 615-737-1045. If you want to react to anything that you're hearing about the quarterbacks, Elijah Mold and Caleb Farley, what you made of their respective debuts, what you saw from Des Fitzpatrick, um and and the rest of the offensive skill position players out there in the absence of uh in the absence of Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown reported earlier this morning is dealing with a knee injury, according to Adam Schefter, something to monitor moving forward. But as Schefter pointed out, he is expected to be ready for the home opener, for the season opener against the Arizona Cardinals on September the 12th. So a legit quarterback competition. I want you to hear Mike Keith on the call of Barkley's second touchdown, though. This one to Mason Kinsey and something that Matt Barkley had to say specifically uh, that he told us in the post game about how this how this touchdown came to be.
1: Barkley looking, looking, firing downfield for Kinsey. Touchdown Titans! What a catch, Mason Kinsey.
0: Mike Keith on the call there, Matt Barkley to Mason Kinsey, another guy who's trying to make this roster and you know has proven to be competent, but certainly. Certainly is in really the wrong in the wrong training camp to try and make this roster, given how much depth they have at the wide receiver position. Um, so it's a uh, it's a short pass from uh, from Matt Barkley to Mason Kinsey to further the Titans' lead as that game wore on. Um, and Matt Barkley talked about this with us in the post game. He said, "You know, we haven't run that route concept with Kinsey in practice, but basically, basically what he's saying to us is that." As his trust develops with these skill position players, it was a route that they were comfortable executing in the game that necessarily they haven't practiced in practice. Uh, and, and you like to see that kind of growth and development be- between a quarterback and a wide receiver as far as chemistry is concerned. 615-737-1045. Who is the better option for the Titans of backup quarterback, in your opinion, based on the two guys that you've seen? Logan Woodside uh, sounded like he was a little, he had a little bit of angst to him in his second preseason start, but he was talking about Ryan Tannehill, who did dress out, but obviously didn't play. This was Logan Woodside discussing how, uh, how much of a calming presence the starting quarterback for this team was as Logan Woodside kind of struggled up in the, uh, struggled a bit in the first half and then kind of settled in while they were doing these two series quarterback rotations throughout the course of Saturday's game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Coach Tannehill tonight. So uh, it was good, man, him being out there. Um, you know, obviously, me and him are pretty tight. So um, he gave me a good talking to at halftime, keep my head up and uh, get ready to play the second half. So it was good, man, um, to have him out there and uh, be in my corner and me and Matt's corner tonight.
0: So that was Anthony. Uh, that was, uh, excuse me, Logan Woodside speaking on speaking on coach Tannehill, as he called him. Now he said he had, he had a conversation with Tannehill at half that kind of settled him in a little bit. And he, he was fine. Again, the, the, the biggest, biggest issue I have with Woodside. Well, there's two, he holds on the ball too damn long. Like he creates so many opportunities for him to take a bad sack. Uh, and that affects his offensive lineman based on the protections that they're supposed to be running for whatever kind of drop he's making when he holds on to the ball. He creates additional pressure on himself. And then the passes behind, the opening pass of that game from Logan Woodside to Anthony Ferkser. Again, Woodside rolling to his right, finding Ferkser in the flat. The ball was behind him. Ferkser did good, to, did well to come back behind him and catch the ball, but that's a consistent theme with Woodside. He doesn't lead his receivers well enough. Now, he's not going to be perfect. We understand that, but, uh, but we do... As we kind of study the analysis of these two guys, you know, you're gonna you're gonna nitpick them as you go along between Barkley and Woodside. I think that AJ McCarron and the season ending injury that he's had in Atlanta tearing his ACL, I think that makes Woodside a, a an asset, basically, for the Falcons if he was to become available. And I think that's something that that may help him, may help Woodside stick in Tennessee, because you know that he would immediately be snatched up you can't place him on the practice squad because people would uh because people you know would we, uh, with all the bad quarterbacking that's out there Logan Woodside is for for the most part competent enough to execute uh a a pared down version of a team's offense 615-737-1045 ah one of our callers least favorite callers Darrington is up on 104.5 the zone hello Darrington what's up Man, we're living fine, baby. Happy to be home.
1: I'm glad you're back. Glad you're back. Now, Buck, I know I give you a hard time, a joking time about Ryan Tannehill and all that, but today I'm giving you a serious take today, a serious take. Oh.
0: Are we getting the take? What happened?
1: <laughs> but this, this this running back situation here, I'm not going to use his name because I, I Instagram do this and. Riddle Bones Evans now, but I think sergeant should be our new number two because that other guy that has the same name that I'm not going to call unless we're talking about me doesn't deserve to be on the field. We had guys that, that get carted off and come back the next day. This guy gets something to me and that he's Kawhi Leonard. I, I, I don't get it now Now can we explain the seriousness of of, of this breakout sergeant and the spot that he is currently building right now? Because I think that he could be the, Number two, and you can have a Jeremy McNichols as another option. But can we elaborate on that, Buck? I'll be quiet and listen.
0: I appreciate you, Darrington six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Lucas, what are you giggling about? What do you mean? What am I giggling about?
2: I'm giggling at Darrington.
0: He's a funny guy. <laughs> he is a funny guy. I love. I, I all love all of our callers. The callers make me happy. I especially like when the callers go after one another. But because uh, <laughs> Justin. So let, let me let me start with Mackay Sargent, right? He he was one of the more impressive players from that game. Of course, getting an expanded workload, I I just I think he's, I think that there are reasons that McNichols is ahead of him, Darrington, and it's not necessarily with how they run the ball because they're both hard or, or big effort, hard running. Running backs for that sounds like a, a dumb way to do the analysis, but I think you understand what I'm saying. They're high effort, high energy players. Um, what sets them apart right now, and maybe this is something that Sargent can work on as a practice squad player. But Darrington Evans, who is, as our Darrington says, is he who must not be named. Darrington Evans dressed out on Saturday, he did not play, obviously. He left the Atlanta game with a knee injury, the knee injuries, uh, the injuries, rather, between his hamstrings last year and the knee this year. An eternal frustration for Titans fans. I understand your frustration. He's going to be your number two running back if he's healthy. And even if he's not healthy, he's going to be on the roster. So I wouldn't get too bent out of shape there. Now, as far as a third running back that they'll keep, because Derrick Henry is obviously entrenched, they're going to have a fullback, whether it ends up being Torrey Carter or uh, Kari Game and that will round out their four backs that they keep with three running backs and a fullback. The only reason right now that I would tell you that it's McNichols over, uh, over Sergeant, and that they are telling you, based on the amount of playing time that they're giving him in a preseason game, that it's McNichols over Sergeant is that McNichols is exceptional, is probably too high of praise, but he's really good in pass protection on obvious passing downs he helps keep the quarterback clean that was something that he did very very well when you watch him back on film last year so I do think I do think that ultimately that will be how things go now he still has an opportunity to prove himself I would say to you that right now in that building it's still McNichols over sergeant sergeant is going to be the odd man out and Brian Brian Hill who hasn't really done much of anything um if he can't factor in in the return game, then there's not going to be a spot on this roster for him either when the final roster cuts come down in, what, like eight days on the 31st uh, is when the uh, is when the deadline is to get everybody down to the 53-man rosters. All right, we'll come back and we will talk about Elijah Molden and Caleb Farley, who made their debuts on Saturday, and get into a conversation about A.J. Brown's knee injury. Corey Curtis of WKRN News 2 will join us as well. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 the zone.
1: Fourth down and one. Gabbert gets him on the ball.
3: Gabbert turns, hands it off Bernard. I don't know. I do not know. Not with that mark from the the, the official on the far side. Not with that mark. He's not a big back. First
1: contact looked like it was Molden. Looked like Molden came slashing through and put a hit on him. He well, absolutely did. He grabbed him around the waist that stopped his forward motion.
0: That is Mike Keith and Coach Dave McGinnis on the call on Saturday. First quarter, fourth and one stop. For Elijah Molden on Giovanni Bernard who I had no idea was a buck until Saturday and I saw that he was the uh was the running back in the game for them Elijah Molden had a fantastic debut he made the fourth and one stop that set up the Titans first touchdown of the game he caused a pass breakup whether you know he intended to do it or not looked like it just kind of hit him and then went up in the air for Clayton Gathers to pick off the Titans first interception he had of course a sack on Blaine Gabbert and uh, and a couple of tackles for loss right after right after the sack. In fact, he blew up. Uh, looked like a bit of a it looked like it was trying to set up a a little flare pass out to the running back and just straight up lowered his shoulder, four tackled him to the ground. It, eight tackles in total for the rookie third round pick out of Washington and an exciting debut for Titans fans who are trying to get excited about him. I, I wrote about this for A to Z And basically how the different ways that he was being deployed, because Elijah Molden wasn't supposed to start that game in the slot. It was supposed to be Chris Jackson. And he told us on Saturday night that something happened with Chris Jackson in pregame warmups. And he just said that Chris Jackson went down. So it was then his opportunity to start. What an opportunity or what he made of that opportunity has to have Titans fans feeling pretty good. So he gets the start in the slot. He plays more snaps than any other Titans defensive back. About forty-six, if I remember correctly, he's out on the field. He's making plays all over the place. He has the the sack. By the way, I saw Mike Herndon, uh, Mike Miracles call it the slip and, sa- slip and slide sack, where he ducks under two uh, Bucks offensive linemen, kind of bear crawls his way through the uh, through the blockers, and makes the sack on a play. It's incredible. Incredible to watch, and in fact, he was asked about this. Lucas, are you getting booze back there in the studio? Are You drinking on the job? Is that Becky? No, that's Becky. <laughs> Becky, here. Becky, and the, Becky, you trying to get get my uh, get my producer drunk while I'm trying to do a radio show? What the hell? 615-737-1045 is how you jump in. That's how it goes. No, listen, I don't come into work. Everybody has a party without me. I'm pissed. Um, but yes, in fact, Elijah Molden. He, he talked about this after the game, Lucas. I believe we have that audio. I'm sorry to interrupt your conversation, your booze. I'm sorry to interrupt your happy hour in the middle of the radio show. But Elijah Molden talked about this play with us in his post-game media availability and how, you know, for all intents and purposes, much like Lucas back in the production studio, he blacked out. I don't even
3: remember to be, I mean, the 6'6 six, six and 6'7 six, right in front of me. I'm five. Like, what am I supposed to do? So um, I don't remember. I kind of just blacked out that play. Yeah,
0: he, I kind of just blacked out that play. He's, he's bear crawling. You know, he's blank uh, bear crawling through the legs of these offensive tackles. I swear to God, I thought he straight up like ducked under, like what just went between one of their legs, which would have been hilarious. Because he's, I mean, he's he's not a small guy. He's five ten, but I mean, he is smaller in stature, and they're probably ju- they're probably giving him an extra inch on the Titans' official website. Fans have to love that answer. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? They were going crazy about it, uh, On at least on social media, as I was checking my mentions during the game. The dude made plays all over the field. What it reminded me of, and I wrote this at AtoZsports.com, I wrote that it reminded me understanding that the defensive schemes are basic right now. They're looking at different ways to deploy their defensive backs. They were doing a lot more blitzing in game two than they were in game one against the Falcons. They were, you know, in Mike Vrabel's own words, like the, the Falcons, like Dean Pease against Logan Woodside in, in the first game, they were blitzing the bleep out of them, right? So the way that they were deploying Molden, and I saw Bayard come on a safety blitz a couple of times in the few snaps that he got. I saw a couple of different DBs executing blitzes throughout the course of that game. But I was reminded of the way that the Titans and Dean Pease used to use Logan Ryan. Now, Dean Pease was famous for generating pressure all over the defense, whether you're sending a safety, whether you're sending your slot corner, whether you're uh, deploying games up front to create additional pressure with guys that you're trying to exploit mismatches with. But then I saw a lot of tweets about Cortland Finnegan and how a lot of you watching him, who go back to you know later or, I guess, earlier years, of this franchise and of the titans defense were are reminded of Cortland finnegan in watching elijah molden's debut now personality wise they're much different but molden kind of talked about this because it's been a little bit it's hadn't been a struggle for him to get back on the field but he's been working through some stuff and he talked kind of about the slow burn that he's experienced in getting out onto the football field for the first time as a pro it was so it was really so much fun like I mean,
3: it, it's been like a slow burn just because I didn't play the first preseason game. And I, I knew, you know, this game, especially versus a team like the Bucks, Um, it felt really special. It felt bigger bigger than myself, to be honest. Like, the plays that went on out there, like, it was good to get a text from my mom and, and uh, videos of, of, my, of my family's reaction of the plays and stuff. But, like, it feels bigger than me, you know what I mean? Like, um, I just want to give everything to the team, like a couple of minutes ago Ryan Tanhill was in there with gloves picking up trash like that's 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 the type of team I want to play for
0: that is Elijah Molden talking about his first experience out on the field I know he was he was excited about it and his his play reflected that something that has to get you fired up if you're a fan of you know looking for good defensive players and improving that side of the ball in particular a lot of good young players serving in depth roles through these preseason games so far. I know many of you are excited to see how they work in with starters once those guys make their debut in the regular season. Pretty quiet night for Caleb Farley, other than getting burned by Scooter Miller up the the sideline, got beat on a double move. The pass went out of bounds, so fortunate for Farley because he was soundly beaten. But um, Caleb Farley getting out on the field for the first time in a game has to make you feel good about their progress, even if you didn't see the kind of play from Farley that you did for Molden in his first game. We will come back and we will talk about A.J. Brown reportedly dealing with a knee injury the last couple of weeks and some his, when, he, when he will be available on the field for the Tennessee Titans. We'll discuss that as well as the kicking situation because it sounds like this team has just found their dude to make their field goals and place kicks for them. Corey Curtis as well coming up next. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone.